Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 21 through 28. And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once, his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. How are we doing, everybody? All right, well, my name is Chris Pleckenpole. I'm the lead pastor here at Wells Branch Community Church, and I'm so glad all of you are here. And... Uh, if you have any questions, like one of the things we love to do and we're not afraid of, we love questions. So like if you're like, I think you're so full of it, uh, that's okay. And if you're like, I don't understand that particular thing, that's okay too. And we want all your questions to come through right here to Pastor Plex Podcast. If you just, you can go to PastorPlex.com and you can voicemail me questions or you can just text me. And I will answer all those throughout the week and would love to uh, hear and respond and connect with all of you. All right. Well, today is, uh, today is a Memorial Day weekend, and usually whenever uh, Memorial Day is here, uh, I have uh, memories of combat and war, and uh, I lost six soldiers under my command, and that was just like, man, I, I, I can remember all their names, and it just really just sort of, it just takes me back of Gary Vallant, of Josh Tickham, of Thor Ingraham, of Mark Mesmer of Luke Wallenweber and James Frevet. Those are my six guys. And so there's something in me that always just said I have a, a day of remembrance, and I'm really grateful that our nation uh, does that. But this week's been especially hard because we're, we're not just dealing with a memorial day of combat and people we've lost in the past, but we're dealing with, like, children dying. And there's a part of that, as, as you think back on what happened at Robb Elementary School in, in Uvalde, Texas, there's this part of us that's like, that's just brutal. And I've been really helping, trying to help people process this, and I, I figured this is something I've been doing on a one-on-one, -on -one, so I'm going to take a moment. Let's, let's process together this. Because what happens inevitably is we start to ask questions. Um, because... I, we come up the question of evil, and I don't think any, anybody here is going to say, no one here is going to say, you know, evil, that's not a thing. You, you could be an, an atheist, an atheist, and for the most part, if you were pressed, you would say that what happened in that elementary school was raw evil. And so if there is an evil, there has to be a good. You would come to that point, but you might disagree on how we come to that good, but you'd at least say there is evil. Now, the problem that we come to is like, how could God let evil exist? And I want us to just sit in the weight of that for a second. Uh, because we see, when we see evil, we can conclude that either God is not 
omnipotent, meaning all-powerful. Here's your vocabulary word for today, all-powerful. When we see that, we're like, God's not all-powerful. God, If God was all-powerful, he would have been powerful enough to stop what happened in that elementary school, okay? Or, or we say this, God's not that good. God's not benevolent. And so here's where we, we have, we come to this place. If, if God is all-powerful, uh, then why didn't he stop it? Or if if God is all good, then he must not be powerful enough. And I think that's where we always wrestle uh, with this one struggle. If, if God is good and there is evil, he's either not omnipotent or he's not benevolent. Either way, I'm out on the God stuff. And so uh, this morning, we're going to get into the gospel of Mark. And we're going to watch how Mark presents Jesus as king who is all powerful and is all good. And as we wrestle with that, uh, because it's not just um, a national tragedy that we're wrestling with here. We all have tragedies going on, whether it's our own family, maybe it's our family of origin, maybe it's uh, the stuff that you have to deal with as a parent, maybe it's the stuff you have to deal with as a son or daughter. Whatever it is, we've all been wrestling with this problem of the darkness. And does God actually have an ability to do anything that would be good? So that's where we're going. We're going to be not, if you don't have a Bible, we would love to give you ours. Uh, there should be a Bible somewhere in your vicinity, and uh, you can pull it out. And we're going to be on page 836 of those Bibles that are the black hardback ones. If you have like your digital Bible, that's totally cool too. Uh, we are down with technology, and we're going to be in Mark chapter 1. And so uh, we're going to get it, we're going to pray, and then we're going to ask God to bless the reading and the proclamation of his word. So would you guys pray with me? Father, we know we live in a world where it's uh, tragedy all the time. Uh, it's just we're moving from crisis to crisis. And then as the news cycle will probably present a different tragedy next week. The news cycle will probably present um, uh, something that will distract us from this tragedy. And then we'll keep going to the tragedy, to tragedy, to tragedy, to tragedy. And we'll just keep going. So God, we're, we're needing you to move. We're needing you to find our great hope. We're needing you for, to move in a powerful way this morning so, so us not only understand, but to be able to move in faith, knowing that you're all good and that you're all powerful. Thank you, Jesus. You're so good. So Lord, we worship you this morning, asking that you would bless the reading and proclamation of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Okay. We're in the Gospel of Mark, and last week we introduced the Gospel, so if you weren't here, I'll catch you up. Essentially, Jesus shows up on the scene, John the Baptist, he is looking like a homeless dude, even in times when people, everybody looked like a homeless dude, he really looked like a homeless dude, and he would have done well in Austin. And he had a uh, camel's hair, he had some cr crazy hair, and he was a guy that was proclaiming, repent for the kingdom of God is near. And he's baptizing people for the forgiveness of their sin. And then here comes Jesus. And John the Baptist baptizes Jesus, and he dunks in the water. And you hear the, the, the voice of the Father, this is my son, whom I love, with him I'm well pleased. And we, what we talked about, that's every kid needs to hear, I love you, I'm proud of you, you're mine. Every kid needs to hear that. And then we said that Jesus then went to the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And then from there, he passes with flying colors. But then ultimately, he then goes and calls his first disciples who leave everything. Andrew and Simon literally leave their fishing business on the shore. So I don't know who else picked it up for him, but somebody must have. And then James and John leave their dad. I mean, 
They're leaving dad. Hey, dad, see, I know you've had great plans and great vision for us. We're following this preacher guy. And that's where we left off last week. And here we are in uh, the second half of Mark chapter 1. And Jesus is kind of orienting us to his ministry and these disciples. And he hasn't shown us any miracles yet, but we're going to be introduced to them here. All right. So we're going to hear about Jesus and his wonder-working power uh, from his headquarters in Capernaum, which is in the northern part of Israel. Here we go. And they went, so this, the they is Andrew, Simon, uh, James, and John, Jesus. And they went into Capernaum, and immediately, and this is the other thing about Mark, a lot of immediately, he likes to keep it moving. And if you didn't think it was moving, he's going to remind you that it happened immediately. And immediately, on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue. Synagogue, just another place where the, the faithful people of God would gather, think church. But in, in just like localized version, that wasn't the temple, but it was like, like this. And he was teaching. He was a traveling rabbi guy. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. Well, what uh, the scribes would do, they would refer to a different rabbi, and they'd say, so-and-so rabbi said this word meant this, and so-and-so rabbi meant that this word meant that. And they would essentially parse out the Hebrew word by word, and everyone would go, hmm, and they would be preaching God's word. But there wasn't a whole lot of stories, and they weren't exactly um, riveting to listen to, okay? But what Jesus did, he would come in, he'd tell stories. He'd make bold claims, and he would have, declare the kingdom of heaven is near. What you're waiting for is here. And people are going like, whoa, this guy, I don't, can he say that? Or a lot of that. Can he say that? And then immediately... There was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. That could have been a demon, most likely. All right, unclean spirit. Or just he had this guy had mental health issues, okay? And he cried out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? And I love this line. I know who you are. Even the demons believe and shudder. You're the Holy One of God, okay? Now, at this moment, you've got, like, attention. You've got the demon-possessed man versus Jesus, Who's going to win? Like, in general, demon-possessed dudes, they start freaking out. Everybody else starts freaking out. And either what happens in a lot of churches, and I'm not, this is not like to down on these churches, but just this is what happens. Somebody gets up, and he starts, you know, chanting and yelling, and, you know, he's like, and Jesus! And they're, like, making louder and louder and getting more, you know, flustered and frustrated. And so you're kind of expecting maybe like a battle of the demon versus Jesus. But in every time there's ever a battle with Jesus, he wins with like just like a whisper. Look, look. But Jesus rebuked him saying, hey, be silent. Come out of him. Hey, guy freaking out over there. That's enough. You're out. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. Now, when I read this story, I usually think about it like, what a weird day in church. Like, no, no, just think about it. You're, like, you're hanging out here and like, you know, uh, Carla in the fourth row there. She's like, Mah! you know, you're just like, man, I, I wasn't seeing that today. Wasn't, didn't think that was that kind of church. Wasn't really rolling for that. And then if somebody up here was me, I just got to come out of her, get out of her. And then, then it happened. Everyone's like, wow, that, he's got some superpowers up there. Like, that's usually how I read this story. But I, I wonder, when I looked at it through this week, through the eyes of someone who is suffering, like, this guy probably went to church, demon-possessed, and it was the only time when he was under the, the reading of God's word where he felt like a sense of peace. Do you know what I mean? And I don't know if this is your life. This is your, 
your one hour of your week where you're like, the demons aren't bothering me. Like, this is, like, I know that if I'm here, I'm not doing something really dumb. I know if I'm here, um, I'm not three-quarters away uh, through a bottle of tequila. Like, right, that's kind of where a lot of us sort of find ourselves. And so this guy, in a moment, his whole life shifted. It went from, I'm just barely surviving to finally got free. And expectedly, everyone's amazed. Like, that was an awesome day of church. I'm coming back. Please do that again. And they question among themselves, saying, what is this? What is this? A new teaching with authority? And you see this again. Remember, Jesus is coming as the king. He's saying, hey, listen, repent for the kingdom of God is near, a.k.a. I'm the king. I'm presenting you the whole first uh, chapters, one through eight, is, is Jesus saying, hey, I'm the king. Present, presentation, miracles, uh, you're going to hear God speak to me, and you can choose to accept me or reject me. And we, we end up knowing, or we, we know that everyone ends up rejecting him. But here they say, they see the new teaching. They see the new authority. And they're like, whoa, he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. He's not just Lord, and he's a good speaker and command an audience. This guy literally has power over the unseen, supernatural power. Okay, verse 28, and at once... Fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee, and immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon Andrew with James and John. It was like the post-church luncheon, okay? You guys know what I'm talking about? Many of you are thinking about it already. Stop Googling where's the best place to eat around here, all right? I can see you. All right, so what happens, they're ready to go get lunch, and they show up at uh, Simon's house. Now, Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever. And immediately, they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her. So she's healed like that. And she began to serve them. Now, this is for free. Like, if you've ever been healed by Jesus, if he has saved your soul, there should be a part of you like, man, how can I serve him? And I think what happens is we go, thanks for the healing, Jesus. What else you got? Is that awkward? Sorry. And, and so what happens, we, we sort of feel that, that, that the, here it is, here's, she's been sick. And remember, this is, this, you got to remember that, that she's so sick, she's staying in bed for Jesus who's coming to the house. Now remember, this is Simon and Andrew. They're at Simon's house. Simon is married. He has a wife. And this is his mom. And just recently, Simon dropped his nets on the beach and was like, I'm done fishing, following this dude. Generally, when you give up your business for some religious leader, that's always bad news for mother-in-laws. And so you would think that she would be ready to go like, Jesus, I better see some action here. And she can't even give up to confront him, to meet him. And all of a sudden, she's met with a healing. And she's like, I'm in. I'm in. You see, Jesus has power over the spiritual and the physical. And it's not like a power that he has to, you know, do a lot of like, humana, 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 you know, like there is none of that. There's no conjuring it up. It is his power is direct. He doesn't need any sort of emotionalism or religiosity. It's simply Jesus has the power 
by the power of his spoken word, the same power that put the universe into being has the same power to tell demons to flee and to heal fevers. That's how awesome Jesus is. Okay, so when you read this story in light of current event tragedy, my mind goes to one of two places, okay? And let me just take you to the first place my mind goes to, because I'm, I'm like you. I, I'm skeptical about everything. Uh, and here it is. Why doesn't God just heal everyone? But, like, like, listen, why can't he just roll through, like, hospitals, like, brr, brr, brr. Why, why doesn't he go through Valde and, like, you know, like, give the, the killer, like, mental health help, demons flee, and then heal all the wounded? Why can't or doesn't? He do that. And then here, this, then inevitably, if, even if Jesus did all that, here would be my second question. Why does anyone get sick at all? Like, have you ever had, like, we're praying that's a good cancer. Well, if he's so powerful, why are we having him cancer at all in the first place? We come back to the question, why? And, um... I'm try- I've been trying to illustrate this in several ways just to kind of make sense of it all. Um, because if God's so powerful, why doesn't he just stop all the pain? Now, you know and I know that if God is a personal, intimate God, not just simply transcendent, like all part of the universe kind of thing, if he is that, then that means he has a desire for intimacy with us. And what that means is he didn't create robots. You know what the problem or actually, there's a great part about having Siri. Our kids love to flirt with Siri, all right? I don't know if you, you have, I have four boys, and they flirt with Siri and the British version of female Siri, all right? That's, she's unstoppable. And what happens is uh, Austin, my oldest, will have full-blown conversations with Siri. And, uh, and then Siri will respond back, and Siri will talk to him. But eventually, uh, Siri will run to a place where she doesn't have any more answers because the programming has run out. Does everybody understand what I'm talking about? And you see what God did? Well, he didn't create robots. He created people. And what happens when you create people who have ability to choose, you make yourself vulnerable to them to hurt you. Could I get an amen from a parent? So what happened with Adam and Eve back in the garden, if you remember this, they're like, they had one rule, just don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it wasn't like it was like magic fruit that made you smart. No, it was just the mere fact that you took something that God said no to, and you're like, mm, and all of a sudden you broke the law, you broke God's commandment, and you said, God, I know you're powerful, and you invented the world, you created me, like, I don't know, not very recently, and I really appreciate that, and I've been here all of however long I've been here, uh, but not long, as long as you, but I'll take it from here, thank you very much, because you're not very smart. I mean, I'm a little bit more modern. You're ancient. And so from that point forward, all of humanity has been suffering with sin, and that's why uh, we can be oppressed by the demonic, and we can be oppressed by fevers and COVID and all sorts of sickness and disease. Okay? And so that brings us to the, the point, then why at all, do, does, is there, how can pain or how can suffering be anything good? Because watch this, when, cata- when catastrophe happens, when you can't control it, when you've said, I did all the right things and still bad things happen it forces you to look up at God and go okay 
It forces us to trust God. All right, let me, can we go to something a little bit less heavy for a second? Um, American Idol is always way less heavy. Uh, and so uh, recently, uh, um, Adrian and I, uh, American Idol, this is the whatever recent season, and uh, Adrian goes, oh my gosh, Chris, look at America, we know him. And I, what are you talking about? And so a buddy of mine, his name's Fritz, uh, I've known him, he's a, he graduated 10 years ahead of me at West Point, and uh, when I was in seminary, he came through for me, and this is his son. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't. His son's like on American Idol. And like it was one thing like when he was like in the top 100, another thing when he was in the top 50. And then when Adrian and I started watching, I think it was the top 20, and then top 10, and then top 7, and then top 5. It was pretty exciting. And uh, I, I was sitting there going, this is bizarre. I mean, and I, I, I texted my buddy Fritz, and I was just like, I can't believe that what's going on with your son. And in fact, this is what I said, man, it's exciting stuff watching Fritz. What a crazy world. And he goes, this, I love this line. It's bonkers. Aw. <laughs> Everybody in their 50s. That's fun. Okay. It's bonkers. He's gone from co- a college dropout living with his parents, making $12 an hour, to a number one EP on TV every week and likely sign a recording contract in the next month. All in six months. One month on TV. And I was just sort of blown away by that. Now, listen, listen. Here it is. Uh, li- as if you're a parent, like, you, you know, your worst fear is that your kid's living in your basement when he's 30 uh, playing video games. So it's like, you know, th- okay, there's worse fears, but it's up there. And what happens is like, and, and here it is in a, in a moment, it went from, oh man, to look what God did. Look what God, look what God did. And I think this is what happens with our situations. We look at our situations and we think hopeless. We look at our situations uh, health-wise, family-wise, work-wise. We look at the situations and we're just like, it's impossible. And we forget that the God of the universe can do anything. He can change your situation uh, in a blink of an eye, in an email that you weren't expecting, in a phone call you didn't expect, in a letter showing up. He can do anything. Anything. Nothing is impossible with our God. And so if that's true for a suburbanite guy that probably had, had nothing really serious to worry about, and you're like, well, Chris, that would probably happen anyway. What about me in the real world? Well, I guess that's my point, is he can do anything he wants to do when he wants to do it because he is God. And maybe the reason why you're struggling is so that you call on the God who has the power to change your situation. Because God has the power in the blink of an eye to heal a man possessed by a demon, in the blink of an eye to heal a sick woman, in the blink of an eye to stop a war, stop a storm, stop cancer, heal you. But what I think for us happens is we wait for the crisis before we check in with Jesus. I want to watch. I want you to watch how Jesus models for us what it looks like to have a relationship with Him. Because after He heals uh, the mother-in-law, He heals other people who are demon possessed and people with all various diseases. And then there's just this weird, like parenthetical in the middle of all this healing of stuff. And you get like a close-up. You know, the camera cuts to Jesus by Himself in a lonely place. Look at this. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. I mean, isn't Jesus kind of busy? I mean, can't we pray later? 
I mean, there's lots of people. His fame is spreading, and he has got an entire world to let know that he is the, you know, the king. But I think what is so good, I mean, this, Jesus is 100% God, 100% man, and, but I think he does this for our sake. Because every one of us has morning routines. You may not call it a morning routine, but you know, if you're like, I got to have my coffee to start the day, that's a morning routine. If you're like, I got to check my stocks before I start the day, that's a routine. If you want to check your news feed, your social media, your Instagram, whatever you do early in the morning, the first thing you do, it's sort of your routine. And if you probably don't do your routine, you're thrown off. And so Jesus' routine was to get up very early, go where no children could distract him, and get alone with God and pray. In fact, he did it so Simon and those who were with him searched for him. They're like, man, you kidding? Who was watching Jesus last? Come on. Somebody's got to keep an eye on him. I mean, you never know where that guy's going to go. Uh, and so, you know, there's Jesus off by himself. Jesus, don't you know you can get hurt out here? And Jesus, oh gosh, idiots. All right. And then they found him and they said to him, everyone's looking for you. It's time to, for you to perform, Jesus. Do some miracles. And Jesus never lets people dictate for him what his job is. Did you know that? And he said to them, let us go to the next towns, which you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa Jesus. Um, <clears throat> there's still a line of people that have sickness and, and demons and stuff, and they're waiting for you. He's like, nah, I'm good. We'll go to the next town that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. Because if they were, this were me, okay, like Celine Dion figured this out a long time ago. You set up shop in Vegas, and then you never have to go anywhere. And people, the whole world comes to you. It works great. Unless you're trying to go to every place and not say, come to me for your healing and then go home, but rather that I am the God of everywhere. I am the king, and my kingdom is in your house and in your house and in your house and in your house. Because he's got purpose. This is why I came out. He's not there for like to set up a, uh, the house of healing. Although, clearly, Jesus can heal you. He's here to declare his reign on the earth, which is always very like, nah, I'm not, I like the healing part, the authority part. That's the part where I'm like, I just, where well, I'm American, and in general, I don't like anyone telling me what to do. But this is important. See, Jesus spent time with the Father to fulfill his purpose. Okay. So if Jesus' primary mission was an exorcism and healings, but he was here to proclaim the kingdom of God and for uh, everyone to see his power and accept him as king, um, why can't he just do the healings? Why can't we just see his power and that be enough? Well, here's something I know. Uh, God showed his power by parting a Red Sea. And about mm, a month later, everyone's like, you know who parted the Red Sea and got us out of Egypt? These golden cow, this golden calf. Isn't this a pretty golden calf? Everyone worship it. Everyone's like, okay. We forget. Like, that's why you have to have, like, time hop memories, right? Because or else you wouldn't remember anything that happened last year unless your social media reminded you. I mean, that's how we operate. We forget what God has done. You've had moments in your life. You're like, that was God. I know it was God. And then somehow you live the next day like nothing ever happened. Okay. Um, 
And this is what you say to me. This is what you say to me. Chris, listen, I understand you're a pastor and we pay you to go pray. So go do your praying thing. That's what you get paid to do. The rest of us in the real world have to go to work so we can pay you to go and pray. All right, and so what I want you to see and I want to challenge you here is to say like, I know you're busy. I get it. You're busy. We're all busy. We're all busy, busy. In fact, that is the virtue of the modern day. You, you're going to say at some point today, how's it going? And you're going to say busy. And everyone's going to go, mm, and they're going to think that that's good. Okay? Everyone's going to go, mm, collective. No, yeah, me too. So busy. And then we kind of like kind of nod and we move on. We don't talk about what actually is going on. We just say how busy we are. Everyone thinks that's a good excuse. You can shut the conversation down. Never have any reality. Keep moving. Okay. Now, here's what I want to tell you. That God of the universe, um, Jesus, right, uh, fully God, fully man, had to carve out of his busy day of saving the world time with the Father. Um, one of my favorite quotes, Martin Luther the great reformer. Uh, he said, man, I have so much to do today. I need to spend the first three hours of my day in prayer. Now, that's the guy that, you know, um, had a revolutionary moment against the Catholic Church, created, you know, the whole Protestant denomination in Germany. So a lot of things going on, and he was very busy. A lot of people to talk to, a lot of people wanted to kill him, and he spent the first three hours of his day in prayer. And you're like, Chris, pastor, doesn't count. Okay, I'm with you. All right, how about that? Um, I'll give you a different quote. Uh, Abe Lincoln, all right, Abe Lincoln. We, we can, everyone loves Abe. He said this, give me six hours to chop down a tree. I will spend the first four hours sharpening the ax. In other words, what seems to be less productive, in, in a, like why not just get out there and start hacking for a good solid six hours? Or why don't you be more effective and work for two and sharpen for four? But this is the problem. You don't see... Your prayer time is sharpening your axe. You see prayer time as wasted space and time. That's why you would say prayer is good for you preacher people. You probably need that. I'm sure that helps you get, you know, find your center yourself and stuff. As, a po as opposed to talking to a real God who has a real care and a real concern for you in your life. And so for me, you know what this looks like? I, uh, there was, <laughs> I'm just like you. I've, I've got kids that scream and they want to get up earlier than me, and so I've got to defeat them. <laughs> I will defeat you, Titus. I will get up earlier than you. And sometimes that's 5 a.m. because he's up at 5.15. I'm like, oh, Lord, go back to sleep. Please, Jesus. Daddy's reading his Bible right now. And so I, I you know, and listen, I'm, I'm, I'm not like superpowers, like I love getting up early. That's not like my favorite thing. But what I've been like, th life is so busy and so hard that if I don't defeat it with the time of prayer, if I don't allow God to come in into my world, if I'm not reading his word uh, as a picture for where God wants me to go, a mirror to my own sin and darkness and uh, a window to see God's plan uh, that I can see through it. Uh, then I'm going to be lost. If I'm not praying for the people that I love and care about, if I'm not asking God on behalf of those I work with, on behalf of those I disciple, on behalf of those who are lost, if I'm not on my knees before him, then I can go do a whole lot of ministry, spinning my wheels with a lot of meetings and get nowhere. And you can go to your job and you could be in your cubicle and you could do a lot of typing and you could do a lot of emails and you could do a lot of slide presentations and then at the end of it feel exhausted and make zero headway. Whereas maybe if you came to the God of the universe to organize your chaos that's inside your head, 
and say, God, my brain is about to go 5,000 different directions and it's exploding on the inside. I need you to help me focus on who you are, who you've called me to be, and remind me of what I'm here to do. And then oddly, what happened for me is I, I just went for the five, five, five method, five minutes of reading my Bible, five minutes of praying for every, other people, and then five minutes of just being alone, just listening to God, 15 minutes. Now, when I started, that was several years ago, but, when I, but now it's like an hour time. And what's really weird is somehow I didn't miss out on that hour. Like, I'm not going crud, I, you know? I gave that hour to God, and boy, I got screwed. You know, what a waste of time. It hasn't happened yet. It hasn't happened yet. And I think what's happening in us is we're like, Chris, that's really nice, but you don't understand. And I want to just stop you and say, is he the God of the Bible and has all power? And is he the author of your purpose? Or is it that boss? Or is it this phone that is the owner of your soul and gives you purpose? Who is it? Go meet with whoever is the master of your soul. Whoever that is for the first part of your day. And that's why I want, to I want to challenge us all to spend time with Jesus. Okay, I'll get off my soapbox. That's not a drive-by guilting like, oh gosh, I stink. I'm just, I'm just inviting you to an opportunity to have a time with Jesus that's awesome. Like don't, don't if, I, if I had the greatest party ever and I didn't invite you, I'd be a cruddy host, right? Uh, but I'm, I'm offering you a great time to enjoy Jesus. Okay, I'll get off that. Now, if I know the God of, is able, I have a relationship with him. Is he good to do good in my life? So let's, let's look at this last part of uh, Mark, verse 39. So he did a bunch of healings of the demon possessed and other people who were sick. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Okay, And then a leper. Now, when I say leper... You go, you th I think some of us think zombie, which is okay. Uh, you know, that's, you know that, that's probably a decent view. But since you've never actually seen a zombie, let's go to something more relevant. Okay, you guys remember middle school? Anybody remember middle school? Everyone, who else? Just you were tortured in middle school. Okay, so maybe the leper is the guy that if you sat next to him in middle school, your life was over. Do you guys remember this guy? Okay, so if you sat next to him, you sat next to her, if you were that person, you're just like, well, I'm consigned to my fate. And anybody that sat next to that person that was ostracized for whatever reason, they were also ostracized. It was like the gangrene of uncool spread, okay? That's how that worked in middle school, and this is how that worked uh, in the Near East, ancient Near East during the time of Jesus with lepers. And a leper came to him, this awful skin disease, imploring him. Like, you don't, lepers aren't allowed around people. You had to be like, unclean, I'm unclean. But he comes to him not saying I'm unclean. He says, listen, Jesus, kneeling before him, he's like, if you will. And I love this line. Because he's coming to him as exactly who Jesus is, the one who is the king, the one who has the power with the spoken word to make sickness flee, to make the unclean spirit leave. If you will, you can make me clean. This guy, although completely socially outcast, is the most insider of them all because he gets it. And Jesus recognizes that. And moved with pity, 
Do you ever get told that your emotions are completely evil? Your emotions aren't evil. Jesus had emotions. In fact, his emotions sometimes moved him to do things. How beautiful is that? Moved with pity, moved with compassion. He stretched out his hand and touched him. You don't touch lepers. You get unclean when you touch lepers unless you are holy and you make dirty things clean. And he touches the leper unafraid. And he said to him, I love this line. This, there's an emotional moment in the Bible right here. If you will, you can make me clean. Touch him. I will be clean. And all of a sudden, immediately, the leprosy left him and he was made clean. And everybody here wants to be clean. And everybody here has got some sort of shame in their background that they've been sort of holding on to. And if anyone knew what was really going on, it would be really awful. And we got to keep the secrets because, you know, there's a, you know, people are going to know. But Jesus has the will and power to heal those who accept his authority. If you call out to him, he will heal you. Now listen to me, you're like, well, wait a minute. So you're saying that they didn't pray enough and evolve? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying what I am saying is that um, Jesus offers us eternal life. You know, the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. Meaning your life doesn't end uh, when you go into the grave. In fact, that's probably when it just starts. This is just a trailer for the real thing. Our life is a trailer for the movie that is to come and you get glimpses of the joy of Jesus and I can't wait for us to find great joy with him. Everybody here is terminal. Do you guys know that? There's not one person here that's got like, you know, you've got your, uh, you know, your net brain implant that you're just gonna upload your brain to the internet and eventually you'll just be somewhere trapped in the internet. I don't know. Uh, nobody has that, right? Nobody's gonna experience eternal life this side of heaven. So since everybody's terminal, we, our whole ultimate healing is in heaven. I was looking for it, like, again, this is the, on Thursday. I was like, how can I tell this story? And I literally got an email that morning, Thursday morning. I was like, wow, that's convenient. And this guy said, hey, uh, I'm traveling through Round Rock on my way to Oregon. I need a pastor to talk to me. I was like, what a weird email. And I just called him. Like, why not? And it turns out, he says, uh, first question, he has like, what kind of denomination are you? And I was like, wow, who's asking the questions here? Uh, uh, and I go, you know, we're like a Bible church. He's like, okay, all right, all right. Well, uh, I, I'm 50, and uh, last year I became a Christian. And he went into a story. I'm like, wow, all right, cool. And he's like, I just visited my family, and they have fully rejected me for becoming a Christian. I'm like, okay. He's like, I said, tell me more. He's like, well, they're Jewish Kabbalah kind of a thing, and so they think I'm out of my mind that I would go to Christianity of all things because that's like anti that. And he said also, um, I, I spent most of my life uh, in the LGBTQIA community, and I've just left that. And, and for a year, uh, I've been rejected by all the friends that I had from that community as I came out to be a Christian, and so I, I don't really have new, many new friends, and I was wondering if I could get some advice from you as I head back to um, Oregon. And I was like, what a, yeah. And so we talked, and he told me about his life, and um, he had AIDS. And uh, on his trip to see his family to tell them about Jesus, 
and to say really his goodbye. He'd, he'd gone from 240 pounds to like less than 100. Uh, he had been two times in the ER about to die on his just trip because his body was so frail. And on his way back, he was just like trying to figure out how he gets back. And he, go, he was like, I lost my health. I lost my family. I lost all my friends. But I have everything I could ever want. I know the ultimate healing is coming and there's a great peace that I have in knowing Jesus. I wouldn't trade Christ for anything. And that really was like, wow. Like, here's a guy that you would say, definitely on the outcast. Any way you, you, you slice it. And his hope is in Jesus, and he knows the healing's coming. That, he will, that Jesus not only has the power to heal, that his, the life that we're looking for on this side of heaven to be kind of like rainbows, cupcakes, and ice cream isn't always promised, but what is promised is a joy beyond circumstance and eternal hope in our final destination. And so I wanted us to kind of wrap our head around that thought and really wrestle with this question. Will you accept Jesus' authority in light of all the purpose that you feel like God has given you, in light of all the struggle that you've really been facing? Do you trust him to be in charge? Or are you going to get busy with more busy? And are you going to worry? And are you going to fret? And are you going to do everything you possibly can other than trust in him? And if you're not a Christian here, I get it. Like, that's, like kick the tires a little more. Come and see. Taste and see that the Lord is good. You can trust him. And he says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I am so glad that you are here because this is a hard question. And if you are a Christian and you've been wrestling with this for a while, my question for you then is, um, have you allowed the busyness and all the worries of the world to choke out your faith in Jesus? Have you started looking no different from those who claim there is no God? Is there now no difference between you, the way you view the world and the way the rest of the world views the world? Has your worldview sort of collided and you're like, you know, I got to do it all. The world's on my shoulders. And I want you to come and be reminded of his authority, not just over your life, but he's got the whole world in his hands. That's why we sing the songs. I want you to just take a moment and just imagine for a moment what your life would look like. No, no, go with me here. Cast a vision. When you are able to see God is all-powerful, and you're not trying to conjure up something, you're not trying to will something to happen. You're not trying to make it happen in your own strength, in your own busyness. Imagine a world where you actually trust God to be God and take care of you. And imagine being in a world where you can share the goodness of God in the land of the living with people and live in a purpose where you can talk about this God who not only can, change the way you interact with work. It's the way you're going to change, interact with school. It's going to change uh, this church, and it's definitely going to change that city. We receive the benediction. Go. Go and be a people walking in the power of our God. Go and be a people
who knows that this God is good and he's going to transform the world for his kingdom purpose. Go and push back the darkness and have an awesome week of worship. You are sent.